You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it and turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. What a great day it is to be with you. We've had a busy week here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And good to be with you in the worship service this morning. I didn't know Mitch could play the drums that well. He is multi-talented. I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you're a guest, no, you did not stumble into a Pentecostal church, okay? (laughs) Anointing is a Bible word, and I want to show you what the Bible says about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I love my Pentecostal brothers. In the Bible... Oil is a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, oil is a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We've been in this series, Traits of the Greats, and we have little symbols that go along with each message, how God can take your life and do great things because He's great. Remember, there are no great men. There are only men of a great God and women of a great God. And we just kind of shortened it, and we're looking at who God uses to be great. And it's not always the way the world looks at it. And I want to show you today how the Holy Spirit and the anointing makes a difference. The symbol for today that we have a little gift for you is a little vial of oil in the hub. A little vial that we'll give to you. It's not Crisco or olive oil, and uh, we're not selling a multi-level marketing scheme, okay? It's a free gift just to help you remember the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, there's different symbols that describe the Holy Spirit. One is a dove. Another is wind. Another is wine. But we look at the oil today. Anointing is something that is set apart for God. That is set apart for His service for Him to use. Uh, You may think of it as consecration. That's the old word that we used to say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Or you may have heard the phrase before, God's hand is on this person. Or God's hand's on this church. Really what we're talking about when we say those things is the anointing of God. Something that God does that's different in their lives. Now, we're going to look at what the Bible says about anointing and how it grows, but we're going to begin with a little refresher course on the Holy Spirit. And before we do so, our text this morning is 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning in verse 11. Beginning in verse 11. If you got it, say got it. And the Word of God says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. 
Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. One more verse. It's not on your screen, but listen. 1 John 2.20, talking to believers. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. Let's pray. God, I can't. You never said I could. But God, you can, and you always said you would. God, the anointing is what we need in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, on our church. God, in this town, El Dorado, God, we need your anointing now to do what we cannot do for your glory. You increase, we will decrease. In Jesus' name, amen. When I think about the anointing, I think of the great Billy Graham. The great Billy Graham. Many of you may be familiar, but if you're not, even if you just want to know history rather than Christian history, you can't write it without Billy Graham. Billy Graham was used by God to reach millions and millions of people for Christ. But did you know that Billy Graham grew up as a farm boy milking cows and stacking hay in Raleigh, North Carolina? He, he had that southern North Carolina accent, for God so loved the world. I just want to see if uh, I should take my act to Branson, okay? <laughs> he, he, he preached the gospel to 215 million people who attended one of his over 400 crusades and simulcasts and live events. In 185 countries. Uh, in 2005, Gallup did a poll. They found in tw 2005, 35 million people in America one in six U.S. adults had heard Billy Graham preach live and in person. Anybody here ever heard him preach in person? He came to Little Rock 1991. Billy Graham provided spiritual counsel to 12 sitting U.S. presidents, wrote 34 books over the course of 70 years. He was listed on Gallup's 10 Most Admired Men in the World 61 times since 1955, for 55 consecutive years except 1976 when they did not ask the question. Now, now what set this farm boy apart? There he is preaching in South Korea. What enabled this dairy farmer to preach to millions and millions of people? Truly a great life. Well, I want to take you back to 1940. In 1940, Dr. J. Edwin Orr, he was the president of Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. Some call it the, the Harvard of Christianity. It's not that way anymore, but back then it was. As they toured the country, and they were in England, they took a group of students there, or took the students, the president of the school, and as they toured England, they went by the Epworth Re Rectory. Epworth Rectory. This was the home of John Wesley. You, know, you need to know about John Wesley. He was the founder of the Methodist movement. God used him to bring revival to the world. And they went to John Wesley's home, the Epworth Rectory. And on the second floor of the home, the college students and Dr. Orr saw a very 
interesting monument. It wasn't a monument built with stones. It wasn't a plaque. It wasn't a trophy. It was simply in the floor, two marks where Wesley had frequently got on his knees. See, he had worn out the floor on his knees. That's what made him great. And what a sight they saw as they saw these two impressions in the floor, a monument to what God did in Wesley's life, his dedication in prayer. Well, they went back and got on the bus, and Dr. Orr noticed that one student was missing from the group. One student on the bus was not there. And he went up to the second floor, and there he found a young college student, Billy Graham, kneeling in those knee holes, saying, God, do it again. God, do it again. I will tell you that Billy Graham's greatness was not in himself. It was in his willingness to be used by God and to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was on his life. Now, I want to ask you, who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, the Holy Spirit is given to all believers at the moment of salvation. The Bible doesn't teach that, that you're saved and then you get the Spirit later on. No, when you're saved, the Bible teaches you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. How do I know that? Ephesians 1 and 13 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, when you were saved, you were sealed, read that with me, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you were saved, God sealed you with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit convicted your heart. The Spirit regenerated you, made you born again. And then the Spirit indwelled you. God gave you His Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit is God's presence and power in our lives. The Holy Spirit is God's presence and power in our lives. Literally, the Holy Spirit is Jesus in us. Jesus in us. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. And he is God just as the Father and the Son, so is the Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, before he was about to be crucified, he told his disciples, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper. See, Jesus helped them, but the Father was going to give another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Just for believers. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Read that. For he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit helps us, gives us the power we need to live for God and to face the situations we do in life. If you are a believer... You have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to help you live the way that God wants you to live and to face the heartaches and the trials and the disappointments and the difficulties and all the things that you are facing in your life that you know you can't face alone. The Holy Spirit inside of you, Jesus in you, wants to help you. Amen? And in Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit is what, what made the church grow. We just sung the song, and the Holy Spirit lit the flame. Number three, the Holy Spirit guides us to truth, 
and gives us everything we need to live for Jesus. The Holy Spirit guides us to the truth and gives us everything we need to live for Jesus. John 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. When we open up God's Word on our own physical eyes and our own understanding, we cannot understand. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us into the truth. We need the Word of God and the Spirit of God to show us the truth of God. And He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. It's building, okay? I want you to know number four. This is very important. The Holy Spirit puts the spotlight on Jesus. I don't know how to say it any plainer than that. The Holy Spirit has one job, and that's to lift up Jesus. John 16 and 14. He, talking about the Spirit, will glorify me, talking about Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus Christ. The Spirit, if you walk into a, a church service or you hear a person and it's emphasizing the Spirit at the expense of not talking about Jesus, it may be a Spirit, but it's not the Spirit. Because the Spirit's job is not to point someone to a person or even to the Holy Spirit Himself, but to point them to Jesus. We need the Spirit. And I believe you can worship and pray. We pray by the Spirit, so it's appropriate. Father, Son, and Spirit, we need all of them. But the Spirit's job is to point people to Jesus. Number five, having the Holy Spirit, when you're saved, you have the Spirit. It's different than being filled with the Spirit. You have the Spirit when you're saved. Does the Spirit have you? Does the Spirit have you? The, the indwelling is God's permanent presence in your life, the Holy Spirit. But the filling is allowing our lives to be controlled by the Spirit. We have Him, but whether we obey Him and listen to Him and do what He says to do, that's up to us. And to be filled is something that we have to allow Him to do continually. There's no command in the Bible to be baptized or indwelt by the Spirit. After you're saved, you have the Spirit. But there is a command in Ephesians 5, 18, to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. What's the anointing of the Holy Spirit? The anointing of the Holy Spirit is what will make the difference in your life. Will make the difference in a church and in a family. The anointing is God give you, giving you what you do not have, so he can do what you cannot do. The anointing of God is God giving you what you do not have so you can do what you cannot do. I'll never forget hunting with my dad one day. I like getting out in the woods every now and then. I really like my warm bed when it comes to duck hunting. But on this day I got out and I was hunting with my dad and I'll never forget, my dad loves duck hunting, watching him shoot a mallard and then retrieving the mallard to find out it had one of those silver bands on it. If you don't know anything about hunting, the band is a very rare thing to find. It's like shooting a really big buck. 
In fact, I looked it up, fewer than one in 1,000 ducks are banded. say, well, why are they banded? Well, biologists and conservationists, they'll band them and put some information on there. And they'll use that information when they're harvested by a hunter, and you call it in, to, to tell some things about the duck and their migratory patterns and how old they are and their age and their gender and, and all those things. But when you shoot a banded duck, that's a rare thing. That's something that you kind of strut around town. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my dad was really excited. The anointing of God is something that sets you apart from just being ordinary. The anointing of God is something that, that is rare. It's something that only he can provide in your life. It's him giving you what you don't have so he can do what you cannot do. Now you say, I don't feel special. In fact, my life feels very ordinary. I, I know I'm a believer, but there's really not too many things that are special about me. Well, look at what God says about you in Psalm 139. God says, David, speaking to God under his inspiration, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. There are no accidental children. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them because they outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. You are special because God made you on purpose for a purpose. And he wants you to know him. And he knows everything about you. All your talents and all your abilities, but all of your difficulties. And even all of your sin. And he looks on you and he loves you. And he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. He wants to save you and to restore you and to get you back on track to his purpose for your life. And he does that through salvation and then the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If God appoints you to do it, he'll anoint you to do it. If God appoints you and calls you to do something, he'll give you what you don't have, the anointing you need. The anointing is God giving us his power, protection, wisdom, favor, and ability to fulfill his calling on our lives. See, anointing is on the inside. The oil is on the outside. In the Bible, the oil was just the outward symbol of an inward anointing. The oil was a symbol of the real thing. So you don't have to look anointed. You don't have to wear a three-piece suit. You just have to be anointed. And the anointing is God giving you on the inside his supernatural power and protection and wisdom and favor and ability to do all those things in life that you cannot do for him. I'll never forget, I got to spend about 30 minutes or so with Bill Gaither. Bill Gaither, another legend, wrote 700 songs, The King is Coming, Because He Lives, multiple Grammy Awards, on and on. Homecoming Tour sold over 1.1 million tickets. Bill's still kicking. 2004, his tour sold more tickets than Elton John, Fleetwood Mac, and Rod Stewart. <laughs> There's a lot of homecoming people that love to hear his music. Well, Bill Gaither came to our church in Georgia, 
And uh, I grew up watching the homecoming tapes on the VHS. The old lady that kept me, the elderly lady named Thelma, she, she watched them. And that's why I like the Southern Gospel music. I like the music we sing. I like all kinds, really. But, but I got to, to hear that Bill Gaither was coming to my church. Oh, my goodness. I was so excited. Well, we went into sound check, and I'll tell a story a different day of what he just spent about 30 minutes with some of us. It was really, really cool. But the funniest thing that happened that day, you know, the tour buses pull up, and it's a big production, and Gaither travels with the whole entourage. And, uh, you know, they, they, they don't get dressed up and put on all their duds and all that till right before the show. But you have to provide for them if you're having a concert at your church. They have to have showers and a place just to rest, and, and they kind of hang out on the bus and do sound check and all that. Well, we had a shower in our church that Bill Gaither went in to use. It was in our family life center, our gym. And Bill Gaither walked through the gym by himself, and uh, he, he had on his street clothes. He had on his sweats. And he had on this little newsboy hat. It kind of looked weird. And his hair was kind of poofed out, kind of like a clown. Don't tell him I said that, but he hadn't had his hair done yet. And, and our cleaning crew, they had radios because we had a pretty large campus. And they got on the radio, and they were very concerned because they thought a homeless man had gotten into the building. <laughs> we had to tell them, no, it's not a homeless man. That's Bill Gaither. Just because you don't look annoying, it doesn't mean you're annoying. Just because you don't look special doesn't mean there's something special, not special about you. Man sees a shepherd boy. God sees David the king. Man sees a man who can't even speak well. God sees Moses, a deliverer. Man sees a prostitute. God sees Rahab, who protects God's people. The anointing is what makes a difference, and it begins with an absolute dependence on God. Psalm 20, verse 6 says, God gives victory and saves, protects, is anointed. God is the one that gives us the anointing. The anointing is what God gives us to help other people. This is so important. The anointing God gives in our lives through the Spirit what, what sets us apart, allowing us to do what we cannot do because he gives us what we do not have, is to help other people. It's not to make us look good. It's not to put the spotlight on ourselves and to grow our own following and influence. The anointing of God is to help other people. Anointing doesn't advertise. If someone has to say, I'm anointed, then they're probably not anointed. If you, as a pastor, I serve, God's called me, but I, I serve by serving. And any leadership credibility I have is by serving and loving the people. And if I have to say, I'm God's anointed, I'm the pastor, you better do what I say, I'm probably not being a good pastor. Now, there's a time and place for everything, but if you've got to point to yourself and to say, I've got the anointing or I've got a special anointing, Anointing doesn't advertise. Anointing is humble. If you've been anointed with the Holy Spirit, you'll do what the Spirit does and glorify Jesus. God's anointing causes us to get out of our comfort zone. If God is, is calling you to do something and asking you to, He's going to give that to you. But, but if you feel out of your comfort zone and you feel like you're not able, that's probably a good sign that that's from God. That's probably a good sign if you don't feel adequate or able to handle what you're facing it's probably from God because he wants you to, to depend on him. Now, if he throws up a roadblock and says, don't do it, don't do it. If, against, if it's against his word, don't do it. But the anointing causes us to lean on his ability and to depend on him. God can use our disappointments 
and turn them into anointments. God can use our disappointments and turn them into anointments. I was equipped on day one. I, I always felt inadequate as a student pastor because I didn't have kids till I had kids. So I, I felt inadequate to talk to parents on how they should parent because I had never been a parent myself. That actually makes a lot of sense. Okay, I, I would take advice from a student pastor without kids with a grain of salt, okay? But, but I had a wise man, that uh, 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 Dr. Ross, and, and I poured my heart out to him one day. I said, I really want to minister to families, but I don't have kids. And, and, and the answer is, is that you have the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So I don't know what you're going through, but I can point you to God's Word. And I, I did that with parents. Now that, now that I'm a parent, I can give a little bit better advice and wisdom, lining up with the Word. But God can use your disappointing things and turn them into His anointing. I couldn't help people as much with grief. Funeral yesterday. If I hadn't grieved and lost loved ones myself. When people come into my office and they say, I'm dealing with depression and anxiety. Guess what? You don't think I deal with that too? God uses our difficulties and disappointments to turn them into anointments. He wants to use those things that are difficult so we depend on him so we can help other people. That'd be a good place to say amen. The tabernacle was anointed. Some examples of being anointed. Some examples of being anointed. The tabernacle was anointed, number seven and one. And it came to pass on that day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it. This was a place that God set apart to meet with his people. It was consecrated for the Lord. In the temple, the oil lighted seven candlesticks. And in the holy place, the sanctuary, the only light came from the candlesticks and the oil. Now the oil signifies the Spirit, God's presence. And so the only light we can see in life is through the Holy Spirit, the only insight we can have. The Spirit alone gives us the light and the life we need. Only the Holy Spirit can illuminate the things of God. King David was anointed. And we get to our text finally. David was a great. He began as a shepherd boy. And one day Samuel came to David's house. And God had told Samuel to anoint a king from David and his brothers. But he didn't tell him which one. And so the Bible says that he went in and he looked at all the brothers. And God said, pass over this one, pass over this one, pass over this one. In fact, in, in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, the Bible says, Eliab, David's brother, the Lord said to Samuel about him, do not look upon his appearance or the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man sees the outward appearance. God sees the heart. Well, David was the last one they looked at. In fact, he was out in the fields tending the sheep. He was just about 15 years old. And Samuel was to anoint him as king over Israel. Now, this was the moment, not that David became king, but that God began to prepare and to, to show his plan for David's life. We need multiple anointings. David had three anointings. First was this one, but then he would be later anointed as king of Judah, and then eventually as king of all Israel. There are different situations and seasons in life that God gives us, I believe, a special anointing to, to address those situations. Anointing does not release us from responsibility. I want you to know this. Anointing does not make us infallible. Anointing does not release us from obeying God. 
David sinned. He lusted after Bathsheba. Everything was going great. He chose to disobey God. And his anointing was hindered. And his, his fellowship with God was hurt. There's consequences when you disobey God. Saying I'm anointed is not just a free pass to do whatever you want to do. Jesus was anointed. David was anointed, but there was a greater David, a king from the line of David, and he was anointed his whole life. Christ, we think Jesus Christ, Christ is his last name, like Whitney. It's not his last name. Christ is a title. You know what it means? Anointed one. Anointed one. Over 430 times in the Bible, Jesus is called the anointed one. All throughout the Bible, he is the anointed one. The one set apart, God's hand was on his life. From beginning to end, he perfectly followed God's plan. He was anointed. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Acts 10 and 38 says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Luke 4, Jesus began his ministry. Can you imagine this scene? Luke 4 and 16, it'll be on your screen. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, his hometown. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, the Jewish synagogue. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Jesus pointed back to the prophecy of Isaiah, and he said, here is the prophecy fulfilled. And what did the anointing do? Jesus said, he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee. That was the 50th year. Every 50 years, the debts were canceled. The slaves were set free. And he rolled up the scroll, verse 20, and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. You could hear a pin drop. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus said, here I am. I'm the anointed one. God has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and liberty to the captives and sight to the blind and set the, the liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He said, everything you're looking for is right here. Why? He had the anointing of God. He had the anointing of God. Anointed one, the anointed one, wants to give you an anointing. Jesus said you'll do greater works through him and for him. All believers are anointed, 1 John 2.20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. If you know Jesus, you have an anointing on your life through the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2, later in verse 26, we're given an anointing so we will know false doctrine and we'll be able to discern it. John said, I write these things about those who are trying to deceive you. Not everybody that comes into the church and says, I have the Holy Spirit, I'm anointed, is teaching the truth. But the anointing you have received from him abides in you. You already have the Spirit. The Spirit guides you to truth. So if someone comes into the church, maybe I'm dead and gone and I can't stop it, you need to be discerning for yourselves. And the anointing you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. 
That's not saying you don't need Bible teachers because John is teaching in and of itself. And then I'd be out of a job. But his anointing, his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie. Just as it has taught you, abide in him. What's that saying is when you abide in Christ, the truth is already in you. You don't have to have someone come in and say, I've got a, a new revelation. I've got a new word from God. We don't have to hear what our itching ears want to hear. We've got the word and the spirit already. Churches can be anointing. I've seen God's hand on a church. When the invitation happens, it's like a bomb goes off. Psalm 133, 1 and 3. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. How pleasant it is when the church is in harmony and in unity with Jesus Christ as the head and everybody submitting to each other and yielding to each other and using their gifts and doing what they're supposed to do and the pastor can be the pastor and serve the people and the people can serve and, and there's a flourishing and there's God's hand and an anointing on the church when there's a harmony and unity in the Holy Spirit. We have that here. We've got to keep it and increase it. We've got to ask God to. The anointing helps us know truth from error and unites us. The anointing that we have from God, I, I believe the anointing that, that God still heals people today. It's not anything special about an oil. Sometimes God gives an ultimate healing in his will to be in the presence of Jesus. God heals when he wants to, how he wants to. He uses medical doctors and, and all kinds of things. But I still believe the Bible teaches that you can lay hands on somebody and pray and I'm not Pentecostal, but I believe, James 5, that you can anoint them with oil. And it's not about the oil, and it's not about your hands. It's about God's Spirit. And if He wants to heal them, He can heal them. Amen? How can you receive a fresh anointing? How do, can you receive a fresh anointing? Psalm 92 and 10. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil. You fry fish in oil too long over and over and over, it's going to stink. Babe Ruth said, we can't win today's ball games with yesterday's home runs. We can't win today's ball games with yesterday's home runs. We can't face the situations we do in life with an old anointing, with, with, with the old feeling from the Spirit. D.L. Moody was the Billy Graham of the 19th century. In fact, you could tell a story about, I don't have time to tell it, and I have to get all my facts straight, but from D.L. Moody... Witness to one person who witnessed to another, to another. Eventually that led to Billy Graham getting saved. D.L. Moody. He was once asked why he urged Christians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do you say over and over and over, Mr. Moody, be filled with the Spirit? Well, he pointed to a water tank that had sprung a leak. He said, you see that water tank? I'm just like it. I leak. I leak. You and I leak. We have sins and struggles and difficulties and things that, that we leak the Spirit out. We have the Spirit, but we leak. And we need to be filled constantly with a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. We need to do that. Well, how can you do that? To flee from sin. We leak through pride and unforgiveness, saying we don't need God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22 that we should flee from youthful lusts. So we should do away with and run away and not flirt or, or try to just manage or settle with it. All the things that leak us, we need to flee and run away from them. 
We don't try to manage our sin. We try to kill our sin. John Owen said, you be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Ephesians 4 and 32, unforgiveness can keep us from being filled. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Even as God forgave you. And when we flee from sin, we ask God to fill us with His Spirit. The Bible says that He'll fill us when we ask Him to. But we can't have a little sin and ask God to fill us up the whole way. You've got to get rid of one before you can be filled with another. I want you to know today that God wants to give you an anointing in your life. He wants to do something so great in you that the only way it can be explained is by Him. He wants to give you what you don't have so you can do what you can't do. The depression you face, the dysfunction in your family, uh, just the horrible boss at work. Whatever you're facing, God wants to help you. He may not get you out of that circumstance right away, but he wants to teach you and empower you and give you his peace and presence with whatever you face in life. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.